Welcome to the Electricians Co-op. I'm your host, Rob Bruss. And I'm Jamie Small. Today on the show, Jamie and I are going to share our views on exactly what it is that makes a small business tick. We share our perspectives, experiences, and plans for our staff. Let's get started. Jamie, how are you, mate? Yeah, pretty good, Rob. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. You're getting a little bit of downtime, a bit of family time over this Christmas break? Yeah, mate. Just got back from Katoomba Mountains, Janolan Caves for a couple of days, so it was good to spend a bit of time with the family. A bit cold, but good to be home and back interviewing with you. Very nice. The only work you seem to be doing is working on this damn podcast, <laughs> which is kind of good. I like that. I'm officially back to electrical work on Monday, but in between, we can sort of slot this in, so really, really enjoying it. What about your work-life balance do you feel like you're getting enough time off with the family in usual times now you've had like a, a decent block of it I mean it's important in a small business that you have that balance yeah my non-negotiable is my family so um four days a week I'm off at five o'clock to the gym and doing all that sort of stuff but on a Wednesday morning I'm up with the kids taking them to school and having a late start to electrical and every afternoon I'm home having dinner with the kids and putting them to bed and trying to get a bit of play in there and Hopefully a bit of uh, one-on-one time with my wife, but yeah, just try and really um, balance it as much as possible. How old are your kids, Jamie, for the audience? How, you're juggling a lot. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, now we've got two boys. got Hudson and Asher. Hudson's nine and Asher's seven. Um, and my beautiful wife, Nicole. So yeah, it's mates. They're amazing kids. And, you know, I'm very, very lucky. They're good. They're polite. They're loyal. Everything I'm... Also, ever so proud about you know they're just absolute legends very nice very nice so i've got two boys with exactly the same age gap actually yeah, right. yeah they're uh cameron will be 20 at the end of this month and travis has just turned 18 yeah. so they're about 19 months apart like that so when they were your kids age they were really good mates they were always they kind of thick as thieves you know but when cameron went to high school travis was still in year five they didn't they weren't very nice. So just a word of warning for someone, <laughs> someone, who, someone who walked the path before you. It's <laughs> like uh, it gets – no one ever told me for some reason. I don't know why. I do all this podcasting and talk to thousands of people, but no one ever told me it actually gets harder. It doesn't get easier. Yeah, right. Yeah. I would assume after 10 it got easier, but, you know – I'll take your word for it. You know, when they turn 18 and become a, uh, come adults, then, you know, I, maybe it's different for girls. For my daughter, I'm, I'm sure I'll feel differently. But for my sons, I kind of like washed my hands. I went, I'm done. That's it. They're yeah. good. They didn't die. They're not in jail. And, <laughs> and I'm how good. old's your daughter? Uh, she's 14. Yeah, right. And what's she going to do when she finishes school? Not sure. She keeps telling me she wants to be a nurse and do all this uh, makeup injectable stuff and oh, cool. doing all those sorts of things. Like so keep us looking young. You never know, right? That's the actual the byproduct of your kid working in that space in, in plastic surgery or something like that. No, I'm not sure that's going to help. Let's get into today's show, shall we? It's a, a bit of a fun one with you and I just riffing on this topic, which I think is a really important one. And when I was writing the show notes for this, I was trying to think about it, how the listener can get the maximum value from it. So by the end of the podcast today, ladies and gentlemen, you can expect to hear what my top two points are for folk, for my top two points that you can use immediately and what you can do to accelerate the growth of your business. And this is the product of 
all my experience as an entrepreneur and coaching with lots and lots of different clients and working with lots of different businesses and particularly working with trade-based businesses and electrical businesses as well. So you're going to get my top two points. You're going to get Jamie's top two points as well, and he'll give you his perspective from the electrical side of it as well. We're going to talk about leadership and why we think that that's so important. And we're going to close out today's show with talking about making some hard decisions. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this bit and sharing a little bit with you, ladies and gentlemen of the audience. So let's do this. Let's do it, Jamie. What, what, what have you got, mate? I'll let you drive the podcast here since you're back from your damn holiday while I've been work slaving away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Top two points to focus on in your business, Rob. What are the top two? It's a it's a big ask, right? It's a and and I think it's it's such a general question and it's such a generalized thing that how do you how can I give the audience a general idea of what I think the top two things are? You know what? There's never, there's never one thing that causes something to go wrong or to go right. It's always a collection of little things that snowball into something that goes wrong or a collection of little things along the way that create success in your life as well. But I think the two fundamentals in a business, and you, I, I believe their fundamentals are leadership and emotional intelligence or EQ. And the reason I say that is because I really believe that CEOs should only focus on three things. And if you're a leader of a business, you should only look for these three things. Oh, by the way, they're not my three things. I didn't make this up. There's a (laughs) way smarter guy than me that came up with this. His name's Trey Taylor, and he wrote a book called The Three Things a CEO Does. And I really like that title because it makes you lean in and think about, well, what are the three things that a CEO does? You know, well, it's leadership. It's like, well, I could probably come up with three things. But after years and years of coaching clients and being a CEO of three different companies himself, he boiled it down to three categories which you can can leverage. And these are the three things that I believe are also fundamental to a business, but they kind of come under the first heading that I have of leadership. So the three things that a CEO focuses on are, in no particular order, culture, people, and numbers. So culture is around leadership and people is around leadership and numbers, well, that's what a CEO is responsible for as well. And EQ or emotional intelligence, I really believe is the centerpiece of your culture and of your people as well. And by emotional intelligence, what what I mean by that, you know, that's a bit of a corporate buzzword these days that gets thrown around and what am I doing talking on a trade podcast about emotional intelligence yeah. you know people are rolling their eyes and going oh my god what is this <laughs> emotional intelligence just means do you want to make more money yeah yeah I, I, I want to make more money yeah. do you ever come to work in the morning and look at people on the job site and just go man I just want to kick that guy in the shins as hard as I can he's just a jerk mm-hmm. but he hasn't even said hello to you or what is it that's kind of riling me up all the time about these people? Yeah. And if you can help the people that are on your team and understand the fundamentals of emotional intelligence and how to deal with your emotions and how you can use your emotions to help you move forward, you can couple that with leadership. And I think that those two things together are really mission-critical 
to making a difference to any organization. So if your company or your business hasn't got good leaders or you haven't had leadership training, any sort of formal leadership training or anyone coming in helping you or coaching you, then I think you're missing out. And likewise with the EQ side of things, there's thousands of people out there that are now EQ experts. One of the episodes that we've uh, had here with the Electricians Co-op, one of our guests, Daniel Tolson, he's actually Australia's number one expert on emotional intelligence. And he's he's dealt with more than 8,000 clients over the last couple of years. So that's a lot of meetings. That's a lot of one-on-one time. And he really knows what works from an EQ perspective. And I'm a... You know, like I'm not an evangelist of of EQ and, you know, what it is, but I think it's really critical that you get your EQ squared away with your teams. And EQ just is the same as IQ, right? So IQ is a measure of your intelligence. And if you don't know, EQ is a measure of your emotional intelligence. And there's many different tools that you can use to help you with those things. But as a leader, I think it's also really important that you have your team on board with those things. And everybody's focus at the end of the day should be pointing towards the client and towards the execution of the job that you're working on. And those things don't happen by accident. Those things take leadership and they take smart, intelligent, dedicated and committed people to actually get the job done. But you can't get the job done without having good leaders and you can't use the leadership skills you've got to communicate the skills that you need or the requirements that you need to your team without having good levels of emotional intelligence. So, What's an example of someone with bad EQ? Bad EQ is related to bad attitude, really. So, So one example might be someone comes to work at the start of the day and you're my boss and you assign a task to me and that task, strictly speaking, should take me until lunchtime. And I go to, I'm all excited, I come to work and I get the job done, finished, and it's all done and dusted properly, correctly, with no errors, no mistakes, nothing in the first hour of the day. Then there's four more hours to go until it's lunchtime. And I'm just kind of sitting around, just waiting around, doing something like that. And then someone comes along and says, hey man, what are you doing? Well, I finished. Well, can you come over here and help me? No, man, the boss told me like, I need you to do this. I'm only just doing this bit. So you need to kind of have the emotional intelligence to be able to approach somebody and understand that Rob comes to work and first thing in the morning, he hits the ground running like a crazy person. So if he's finished the job and he's like a bull bull out of the gate to begin with, what can I do to ease him into the day? Mm. And what can I do to to help him and to to work with his style of uh, work to actually be more effective Mm. and to be more productive? But as a leader, as a manager, or as a supervisor or something like that, unless you've got really high levels of emotional intelligence yourself, it's really difficult to see that in other people. Yeah. You'll just be like, man, what did you do that in an hour for? What are you doing? I told you to make that job go until lunchtime, to do it properly, to take your time, to do it right. And then you're kind of getting up in somebody's face and you're all upset about it because they've done a really good job, but in not, in, not the way that you wanted them to get it yeah. done. And so you have a bit of a disconnect with things like that and having high levels of EQ. And if everybody's on board with that, if the whole team's on board with that, then the communication improves. Mm. When you have better communication, you have better leadership. When you have better leadership, you have better communication, you have better uh, better productivity. And yeah. that just leads to better outcomes. Yeah, I suppose that, that can be brought up at Toolbox Talks within your team. Yeah. So you can sort of paint a scenario for your staff that, hey guys, you know, if I've assigned a task that's going to take till 12 o'clock to finish mm. and you get it done in an hour or two, um, you know, look for something else to do. 
being proactive and I always instill in our guys at ProMage Electrical, there is always something to do. There is, absolutely. There is, there is no excuse not to be doing something. And particularly if you're working on a do and charge type basis, yeah. um, you can't have that person, whoever's paying you, whether it be the builder or the client, seeing you stand around. Absolutely so, not. <laughs> yeah. So pick up a dustpan and brush, you know, shake a drop sheet, go do something, go level a PowerPoint, whatever it might be, there's always something to do. And I think if you communicate that in your toolbox talks, um, you know, it goes a long way, then there's no excuses. So the guys can't say, oh, I didn't know or I wasn't told. Communicate it early so they're, they're very clear on what you expect. Yeah, I've had a lot of people over the years in the various different office environments that I've worked in say to me, hey, Rob, you know, how can I how can I progress in this career? I really like working here with you. I like what I'm doing. I think we're kicking some goals. There's good opportunities. You know, what can I do? And the, the answer to that would be, what would, you, what would you say to that if you were in my position? Mm. If you were the boss and I was coming to you and I was saying that to you, what would you say? Mm. And inevitably, whenever you say that to somebody as the leader or the, or the owner of a business, you're forcing the people that are below you, subordinates and your staff to think for themselves. Yep. And you're forcing them to be really proactive and think like me. And I want them to think like me because I want to be redundant in what it is that I'm doing as soon as possible. Because yep. I don't want to be leading from a position of hands-on tools. I want to be leading from a position of yep. responsibility. Like, hey man, what's going on? You know, Here's the task. And I know that that task is going to get completed yeah. and, it, and it's finished. At Pro Image Electrical, um, a lot of the guys, if they've got a question, they'll ring me for the answer. Mm. Um, we're now a member of Masters Electrician and NECA, and they have a helpline. So if you have a question about a rule... <laughs> you hand pass that over there. Yeah, you, you, well, that's part <laughs> yeah. of the service. That's, that's what, what you're paying for. It's part of the membership, you yeah. know. So if they've got a question about distances from a tap or, a, you know, a, a, whatever it might be, a pool, mm. they can ring them and they can tell you the, the rule or they can interpret the rule for you. So it saves, yeah. it might save me two or three phone calls a week, which might be, say, 15 minutes. And obviously, as you know, time's precious. Absolutely. And you're paying for that luxury. Yeah. yeah. And they're legally bound to their answer as well. So whereas if I... You know, get the rule rule wrong. Yeah, you know, if you it's, up, it's on me. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. It's a really handy tool. One of the other things I would add to it, you know, the final point I would add there in around leadership and emotional intelligence is it's it's related to responsibility. And if you've got good levels of emotional intelligence and you're on board with your career and you're doing the best you can, and and you're working as hard as you can and as you're not killing yourself, you know, it's it's diligent. You you. You're swapping a fair day's work for a fair day's pay and things are working like that. If you want to progress in your career and you've got the EQ to recognize that there's an opportunity here, then what I would say is ask for more responsibility. And the more responsibility that you take on, the, the lighter the load becomes for the people above you. And the lighter the load for the supervisor, for the manager, for the leadership team, and for the people that are actually focusing on winning more business to keep you in that job, if you can lighten their load by taking a bit of leadership and a bit of ownership and being proactive about doing these things, well, that can help your career advance quickly. And it keeps you in a job because it keeps everybody doing what they should be doing from a business development perspective and keeps it moving forward yeah. as well. So, yeah. yeah. Always do more than what you get paid for. Yeah, but don't go killing yourself in no. the process, you know, and it's and it's not like you don't want to be a brown nose about it and make everybody else look bad in, in the team like that as well. But if you can 
if you can try and find enjoyment in what it is that you do, you're there anyway. Yeah. You know, if work sucks, it sucks. Mm. Make it suck less by getting on with it and getting it done. Yeah. You know, everybody has shit days at work and everybody, you know, kind of begrudges going to work sometimes. It's just part of life. That's yeah. just how life is. But if you can make the most of the situation you're in, then, yeah, I think that leadership and EQ, would that's what I would sum up as the, as the two foundation pieces is there. What about you, Jamie? What, what have you got, mate? I'm doing a lot of talking. It's your turn. Oh, the two that I've got are pretty simple. It's consistency and hustle. Mm. And what I mean by consistency is doing the little things every day consistently. Yeah. And that's being on time at work, you know, calling people back, being polite, tidying up after yourself, looking for work, you know, hustling. If you see an opportunity, take it. Mm. All those little things that you've got to do every day, getting your quotes out on time, following up your quotes, getting your invoices out, all those little things. Yeah. And being a good bloke, because people want to work with good people, you know. So if you say you're going to do something, do it. It's just that simple. And if you can do that day in, day out, I think you'll have a successful business. And if you don't do those things naturally in your life, you've got to work on them more in your business. Yeah. You've just got to be more consistent. And with the hustling side of it, there's opportunities out there everywhere. We've just got to find them. So if you're out there, you know, with your blinkers on, you're not going to see them. You've got to be out mm. there looking for opportunities. There's there's work everywhere. There's an abundance of work for everybody. Yeah. You don't need to be greedy. It's not tall poppy syndrome. Cut everyone down. Let's all work together and we can all be successful together. Yeah, totally agree with that that sentiment as well. One, one of the things that I would add there about being consistent is my experience with I've had a lot of experience with business development people. So the businesses that I've had over the years have always been predicated on a sales team being out there selling and in, you know, in the back office from a digital perspective, we're executing on the work like any other business really. But the type of sales that we, we would do in digital marketing in an agency type land is quite different to what you would experience as, a, as an electrician and as a tradesman. And you would see these salespeople fall by the wayside quickly because they they couldn't hit their numbers on the phone. You know, if you make if you follow up twenty of those business cards that you've got there, there'll be three sales in there. Yeah. If you follow the process and you do that, but here's the cards, man. Just pick up the phone and call mm -hmm. these. You know these people. You've met them. They're not cold calls. Just yeah. get on with it. And they fail to do it. And after years and years of dealing with this, the thing that I recognised in most of the people that weren't doing it, maybe ninety percent of them was they just had poor time management. Yep. And if you can divide your calendar into 15-minute blocks throughout the day, and sometimes that's too too tight for people. If it's too tight, make it half an hour or an hour. But you've allocated every block of time, whatever amount you spent, you select, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you'll be astounded at how much work uh, you'll get done. You'll be so much more efficient. Yeah, because you won't spend any... If I've only got, you know... 30 minutes to answer my emails between 9 and 9.30 and then again at 3 to 3.30, I'll be so unbelievably efficient answering my emails. And if I've only got half an hour to get those four invoices out, watch how fast they'll come out. Yeah, that's right. Because I've got to go to the next job or I've got to get in the car and I've got to go somewhere else like that. So consistency, I don't think is necessarily a trait that people have as a natural ability. Mm -hmm. and, and that's because you some people can handle multiple things at once but other people get overwhelmed really quickly and if you're one of those people that gets overwhelmed and is not consistent then time management can be yep. a really simple way of solving yep, that right as well down. well that comes back to um you know when you're in the car a car is a perfect opportunity to get back to everyone make those phone calls you utilize voice to text as much as possible if you're, you you do need to write an email or a text message 
But if you're in, in the car half an hour a day, that might be your time to get back to people. Yeah, definitely. Or follow up, contact yep. the builder, ask him how he is. Might not be business related. Just say, hey, how's your weekend? How's your Christmas? How's the kids? Build relationships with people. I was going to say that I was surprised that you didn't have relationships there because I know that's a big one for you. And Well, that's part of consistency. It is, isn't it? And yeah. if you're building relationships every day, yeah. you know, you're going to have a successful business and people are going to like you. People, it can't be just purely business. People need to know that you have a relationship with them beyond business. Because mm. when you call them, they'll go, oh, here we go, he needs some work. Mm. He's, you, you know, you want to have that sort of rapport with them where you can, you know, you can chat socially with them. It's a, that can be a time-consuming process, Jamie. Is there something that you do to kind of shortcut that process or is there something that you can share with the audience? It's like all good and well to say that, you know, I've got to go and build relationships and that. But how do I do it? For, for me, the types of relationships that I build are over periods of time. And the other thing, the other shortcut that I have is podcasting. I invite somebody onto my podcast to come on and I have these deep, deep conversations with people over the course of an hour or 90 minutes or something like that. And you can't not develop a relationship from something like that, from that experience. It's yeah. really cool. What about you? Have, you? have you got some tips for that? Yeah, well, if I'm going to a building site for, to get the boys started, I'll always spend half an hour with the builder or the client just having a chat with you know them and the job and I might say you know if I genuinely think their house is looking really good I'll tell them mm. what um, if it's looking a bit shit and shabby I'll avoid that I'll talk about something else <laughs> I'll obviously highlight the things that are looking good yeah, yeah but people say I'll sacrifice time to speak to the builder or client but it's not sacrifice at all it's actually part of building your business yeah so if you look at it like that I genuinely believe you're making money by doing that yeah. And I think it's a crucial thing that you need to do. And a lot of guys just want to get to the site, get the job done and get out of there. Mm. But it doesn't matter how good a job you do. If you leave the place untidy or you don't make the person feel special, they'll remember that rather than the good job you did. Yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? It's unfortunate that's how human it's nature experience. works. It's, yeah, you it's, want to create an experience for the client. Yeah. And you're not just an electrician. You're trying to create a, a really good customer service experience for the customer. Mm, mm. Well, in, in my business, I have, I have self-imposed KPIs that I have for myself. And at this time of the year, it's a bit tricky. But come middle of February, the KPI goes back on for me and I have these self-imposed KPIs for myself. Um, and as as tradies are listening to this, as sparkies are listening to this, you might kind of hear this and go, well, how would you do that? How I, I couldn't do that. So what I want to do here is I want to share with you my version of my hustle. Yeah. And then I want to hear your okay. version yeah, right. of your hustle. Okay. And my version of, of the hustle is the KPI that I set for myself is I need to talk to, physically talk, like on the phone, on a Zoom call or on a Skype call or a Google Hangout, whatever it is, to at least three to five people that I've never spoken to each day. And it's hard. Mm, it's really, really okay. hard. Building building a network like that and trying to engage with people. Hey, man, have you got just like five minutes to jump on a call with me? I want to talk to you about A, B, and C, and there's an opportunity for us to do X, Y, and Z. But it's a little bit easier for me because I can open the door with my podcasts. And I've got a bunch of different things that I can do. And I can ask people, I can say to them, hey, do you mind if we jump on a call quickly? I've just got to ask you some questions and I really need a hand. It would just be faster if I could speak to you. And I get them on a call, talk to them, engage with them, build a relationship. And I always leave the call with the intention to build on that relationship or not. Yep. It might go somewhere or it might not. And I found, I don't do this all day, every day, don't get me wrong. This is probably three times a week 
But that's when I set that KPI for myself, I must hit that three to five number. Sometimes I, I get seven or eight because I just send the messages out there to people. I usually do it with LinkedIn because yep. people on LinkedIn are quite responsive in that mm -hmm. sense. And I always get that coming back to me. And inevitably, you know what? It turns into jobs. Yep. It turns into money. It turns into, hey, Rob, I, you can do this for me, can't you? Can you do that for me? Or can you set up that AdWords thing? Or can you help me with this website? Or what about that podcast? Can you get me booked? There's a bunch of different things that happen as a result of it like that. And it's what you said, you know, there's there's hidden money everywhere. Totally. If there was $100 bills on the ground everywhere, you'd bend down and pick them up every single yep. time. Yep. But, you know, that all they are is on the other side of that LinkedIn profile and, a, and hey, man, can we get on the call quickly and just mm. talk about that? It works really good. What's your version of hustle? What do you, what do, you do? Well, hustling for me isn't just calling people. It's not about just getting more and more business. It's actually following up our existing clients. Mm. Um, and if we are looking like we're going to be a little slow, I'll go to building site to building site, touch base with the boys, build more relationship with the boys, see how everything's going, see if they need anything. I'll make sure we've got a sign on every job, at the front of every job on the scaffold. Yeah. Because that's free advertising. And I'm a strong believer in focus. So if someone sees my sign or our sign on a, a piece of scaffold, then they might see three or four of them around the Shire or yeah. around the area we work. Then they might see... You know, a few of our vans driving up and down the street every day, then they might see us on Instagram, then they might Google us, then all of a sudden they see us everywhere, then it looks like we're in their focus. Yeah. So I think really making the most of putting your signs is everywhere, and that's part of my hustle. I'll go to building site to building site, make sure they're all got signs, they're all in good position, the cable ties haven't broken. Mm. I'll touch base with clients. Um, if I'm on a building site, I'll drop magnets in the immediate area where the building site is because they've seen our sign. They've We've obviously got trust because the builder's working with us yeah so i'll drop fridge, fridge magnets in um the letter boxes in surrounding houses and if i see a client at the front i say g'day um i'll touch base with people that i know and it won't be to hustle for work it'll be like hey rob you know so how's the family blah blah blah. and if it leads to work great if it doesn't i'll just leave it at that yeah it's quite different your your hustle is different to my my hustle is looking for business cold yeah that's how I acquire new business. You know, I could, it, the easiest thing in the world for me to run some AdWords campaigns or run some social media marketing or something like that. But more often than not, that's just like shooting in the dark and yeah. hoping for the best. It's trawling. Yeah, it's, it doesn't necessarily yeah. attract the right types yeah. of clients, but if I can speak to a human being, yeah. old school, it definitely attracts well, the right types of clients. Um, Hoyts at Cronulla's just opened and I got a phone call from one of the guys there. Um, they're looking for local businesses to market um, prior to a movie on their ads yeah and it was like 10 grand for 12 months or something like that and he said yeah yeah you get 15 seconds I'm like well at what part of yeah. the 15 minutes prior to the movie do I get the you get the ad he goes right right at the beginning I'm like everyone's on their phone then mate like yeah, it's a waste yeah. of 10 grand and you, it's simply trawling for people I'm not on my phone man oh, I'm eating Maltesers or <laughs> eating a, drinking a Slurpee chop top mate yeah, yeah. chop top man for sure <laughs> that's good stuff mate good stuff alright let's take a little break and come on back I just want to riff on a little bit more on the topic of leadership because I think it's uh, really important. And I talked about leadership from those three perspectives that is those three perspectives that a CEO only does those three things. And I'll put the link to that book and the book's written by a fellow named Trey Taylor. 
um, and he's a, a, an absolute expert in that leadership and CEO space. I'll pop the link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. And I really recommend you grab a copy of it. It's it's cheap. It's 15, 15 bucks or something like that on Amazon, uh, but it's well worth looking at and it will open up the aperture for you as well in and around that leadership topic. I wanted to talk about leadership from a slightly different perspective as well, Jamie, and I wanted to um, to say that one of the, the most important types of leadership that you can have in any small business is self-leadership. So I, I really believe that you have to have good levels of communication because if I'm on a job site with you and you're my boss and I'm watching you do something and I'm like, well, hang on a minute, this is about to go sideways or you know, and I don't mean from an emergency perspective, like you're going to blow yourself up or get electrocuted. I mean from, hey man, that's not the way to do it. You know, if we're going to do something, do it properly or might as well not do it at all. You know, you want to foster a culture within an organisation where there's good communication and people feel they've got the ability to speak up without getting stomped on Mm -hmm. and without it affecting their career. And I call that self-leadership because I believe that you lead up and down the chain of command. You need to have communication abilities to work with the people that are above you and you need to be able to do that to the people that are below you as well. And I think leaders make the the mistake, especially in small business, and I've seen it a lot over the years, of they stamp their foot and they pump their fist and they say, I'm the boss, you'll do as I, t- I tell you, hurry up and get on with it. If you don't like it, there's the door, piss work. off, get out, it don't let it, work. yeah, it doesn't work. No. You, you can't you can't lead by it like that. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, I I think if you have that attitude and you're like, this is the way I am, if you don't like it, go, it's not going to work. And I learned a valuable lesson probably about three weeks ago from one of the guys that came down pretty hard on him about wasn't really an error. It's just not, not the way we would have done things at Pro Image Electrical. And it came down him pretty hard like I would a lot of the other guys. Mm. And he got pretty upset. And I was really upset hearing him upset. And... We both got off the phone and I thought about it. I rang up one of the most more senior guys and I told him what happened. And I'm like, oh, mate, like I really upset such and such. And he goes, oh, how about you do this? And I rang him up and had a chat about it. And I apologise to him, mate. I'm really sorry I made you feel that way. That was not my intention. Mm. I'm really passionate about, you know, my business and the boys and my family and all that. And I apologise to him. And rather than saying, you know what, mate, if you don't like it, go jump. I was like, you know what? That was a lesson for me. I've got to change my management style because yeah. everyone's different. Not yeah. everyone reacts to coming down hard. Sometimes you've got to sort of, you know, sort of baby them into, oh, mate, I'm really sorry. Yeah, that's wrong. That's not the way we do it, blah, blah, blah. But, and that was a real eye-opener for me. And now I learned a lot from that. And I was, I was at, we're almost both in tears, like talking to each other on the phone. I, I, when I saw him next, I gave him a hug. And mate, listen, I'm really sorry. I learned from that. And he said the same. Yeah. And it was all done. Yeah. So yeah. it was a valuable lesson in my career. The first time it's happened and I'll improve my management style on the back of that for sure. Yeah, I've been a, um, a pretty hot-headed manager many times over yeah. the years and I don't get upset when things go wrong. I get upset when I have to repeat myself yeah. constantly. Yeah. It's like there's an expectation that I've communicated whatever message I need to communicate clearly and I... And I've checked to see that you've received it. You told me that you received it, and then you went and did something completely yeah, different. What the hell, man? Frustrating. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and over the years, I've um, I've always blamed the other person 
when in reality that's my fault yeah. as the person in charge and as the leader and as the manager. And one of the techniques that I've, I've learned to do recently is when something goes wrong like that, you've generally got a little bit of time. Like you, you didn't need to confront that employee immediately. Yeah. You probably had half an hour. You probably could have taken an hour. You probably could have done it tomorrow. Yeah. You, you had the opportunity to do that. And one of the techniques that I learned and I wanted to share with you here, ladies and gentlemen of the audience was if something's not going right and you feel your levels of emotional winding up, the easiest thing to do is just to shoot from the hip. But instead of trying to suppress those emotions, lean into them and, and say to yourself, what am I feeling? Anger, frustration, disappointment, rage. I want to tear this guy's head off. What, are you, what is it that you're feeling there? And lean into that feeling and then stop and, and sit with that because I'm pretty sure within about 90 seconds, you won't be feeling that anymore. And then the next thing to do, the next little bit of the technique is fast forward 25 years into the future. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and look back at this moment. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Imagine- <laughs> if, you, if you say the wrong thing, it does. Yeah, it definitely does, right? That's stuck with you, yeah, yeah. And it changed your whole future, the whole paradigm shifted. But, it, but if you looked 25 years into the future, you would look back at the problem that you're facing today and say, that's really not that big a deal, yeah. man because you've seen that problem since another 50 times mm. and you've dealt with it differently and better each time. And one of the ways that can help, help you make better decisions and show better leadership skills is by stopping leaning in, acknowledging, and then fast forwarding into the future about what would your future self say? Because your future self is always much wiser than you are now. Totally. You're much more experienced, yep. you're much calmer, you don't really get riled up by what it is that's riling you up right now. Why am I so upset, man? Why am I so upset by, why did this guy upset me so badly? But if the 20, 25 year old in the future, you looks back and goes, well, I'm not upset about that. He's just a person, he made a mistake. He's, I'm not a perfect person, he made a mistake too, so. It might've been a, a chain of events that led to that as well. It always you know is, I mean? it always like is. It might be yeah. three or four bad things, then something happened, then it seems a whole lot worse. Yeah, and you fly off the handle yeah. and you're like, man, how many chances do you need yeah. to get this done? And At ProMage Electrical, what I like to do, if, if something happens, I have a difficult, difficult client, rather than contacting them or you know saying the wrong thing, I'll always ring Nathan or Brad, one of our senior guys, and <laughs> relay it. Yeah ask them what they think and what they think I should do. And one, usually once I've spoken about it, it's not as bad as what I first thought. Yeah. And they'll sort of talk some sense into me. Like I, I love those guys, you know what I mean? And they'll sort of say the right thing and we'll sort of talk about it. And I'll usually feel a lot better, but it's important for them to know what I'm going through as well. Yeah. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. And there are difficult clients out there. There's people that don't want to pay you. There's people that, you know, trying to get things done as cost effective as possible, which I understand. Um, but I think the key is when you're quoting jobs, being as clear as possible with the inclusions and exclusions. That's where you've got to take ownership, to be. right? Because you end up at that point where you're upset and you're cranky. And what am I upset and cranky about? Well, things have gone sideways. Yeah. I, I, I fair income nearly had a nervous breakdown, man, because the job went sideways on me. Yeah. And the reason the job went sideways on me, and we can talk about this as well, because I think it's an important topic to riff on, because it's happened to every each and every small business owner on the planet then it doesn't matter what product or service you sell. But I had a job where I bought into the client's bullshit where he was saying to me, oh, I don't have much money for this job. I don't have much money for this, but we'll do this and we'll do that. And on the other side of that, I'll pay you this and I'll pay you that. And, and, he, and I, just, I just bought into his bullshit. 
Yeah. But I really did. And I charged him from memory. I think I charged him like $9,000 for something that should have been worth about $30,000. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll figure it out. It'll, it'll be okay. And it wasn't okay because it was extraordinarily complex what he asked us to do and what he asked us to build. And we'd never built that before. In fact, it had never been built before. We had to invent it. We had to build these databases and blah, 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 all this, all this technical mumbo jumbo stuff. And eventually one of my developers came back to me and she's just looked at me and said, Rob, I can't do it. What you're asking, it can't be done. It's never been done before. We, we can't do it. And I was scratching my head going, well, how do we solve the problem? And she said, well, we need to tear that up and go over here and start again over here. Well, how much is that going to cost? And she's like, I don't know, about four grand, I suppose. And I'm like, well, here I am at the end of the nine grand budget already. I'm like, I'm not paying for this guy's yeah, yeah, invention. Yeah. And, you know, 100% my fault. Yeah. And when that had happened, I was scratching my head wondering what I was going to do. I didn't know what to do. And he called me. Hey, how are you? Good. What are you up to? Not much. How's the project going? Oh, not so good. Things uh, have gone a bit sideways. Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't worked out for me. Why don't I pick you up and we'll go out for lunch and we can talk about it over lunch and it's probably not as bad as what you think. And okay, no worries. He turns up, no joke, man. He turns up in like a $4,000 suit looking like something out of a GQ magazine. Looking like, man, just like, like me, I want to take you home and root you. <laughs> like, he looked amazing. Yeah. And... So he came up to the office in Para. Up, Come on, let's go. And you know, he's, he's, we get downstairs and I get into his $150,000 Mercedes. Takes me out to lunch in a local area for like 400 bucks. And he's like squeezing me on the price on the front end. Like I should have charged him 30 grand on the front end, but I bought into his bullshit that he had no money and I ended up charging him nine grand and then I'm out of pocket and then blah, blah, all the stress. You know what? I threw my hands up. I thought, oh, I'm never, ever going to be in this position ever yeah. again. Yeah, and, and what I did, the lesson the lesson in that for people listening and sharing here with you is I just devalued myself. Yeah. I just didn't never, place enough. Never, ever do that. I don't know why I did that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just bought into his bullshit. Yeah. And when he turned up in that suit, like, I, my jaw hit the ground and I got in his car and I was like, I'm going to key this fucking thing on the way out. Like, fucking <laughs> yeah. But not because Fast I was angry. 25 years, look back on that. Yeah, not because I was angry with him. I wasn't angry with him. Yeah, as long as you don't have the victim mentality and you can learn from it. It was my fault. Yeah. I was so mad at myself. Yeah. And, and I came home and I remember telling the story to my missus and she's like, oh, well, you won't do that again, will you? Yeah. But she just didn't really acknowledge how emotionally upset I was by it. And I, and I really, and I don't get emotional about work. Yeah. I rarely do. And I don't get emotional about money either. Mm. It's like, it is what it is. You know, you want to pay for it? Good. If you don't, can't afford it, can't have it. That's just yeah. how it is. I'm well, that pretty- comes back to what you're talking about. If you had a contract with him, like uh, inclusions and exclusions and the exclusions weren't part of the four grand extra, you could say to him, say, mate, this wasn't included. Whereas if it's verbal, it gets really, listen, really listen, ugly. Listen, mate, you think, you think, right? You think, you think. Hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, you know, and I can't believe I made that mistake because I'm not like a rookie either. Yeah. Here I am, like 12, 13 years into my business, worked on massive projects, you know, blue chip companies up and down the scale of everything you could think of in business I worked on. And I just, I don't know, I just dropped the ball. Yeah. I dropped, and that was actually the catalyst for me saying, you know what, I'm out. Mm. I'm out. I, yeah. I, I couldn't take it anymore, and that was like near nervous breakdown type material. You know, mm. being in, being in combat, being overseas on operations and all that stuff. Come home and like I'm totally fine, and then like lose my shit over a, a, a stupid website. What the hell? Yeah, and I'm sure you went 
let that happen again that's for sure absolutely not and hopefully people listening won't let that happen yep. to them from hearing that story as well you know and the lesson in that story is make sure you charge enough have the inclusions exclusions yeah. and value yourself on the front end right? totally totally you got to write everything down and make it as clear as possible nothing hidden yeah so when they're reading through the quote and you say i didn't include this it's obvious it's right there in front of them that sounds like a lesson that you've learned the hard way too hundred percent. And usually for us, any do and charge, which is like hourly rate causes problems. I'd rather give them a fixed price. So if they see us on our phone or they think we're being slow, whatever, it doesn't matter because it's a fixed price. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing hourly rate and you pick up your phone, whether it be to ring a client, you know, ring one of the boys to ask them or ring the supplier, they look at you and go, well, I'm paying you hourly rate and you're on your phone. Mm. Whereas if you give them the fixed price, they do not care. Yeah, right. So eliminates it. Eliminates it. It's easy doing do and charge. You think it is, but there's too much heartache. Yeah. Fixed pricing is the go. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, one of the other things I wanted to cover off here on, on this podcast today was relating to building better Esprit de Corps. And I know that you've got a rugby league background and, and a sports background, and you know that I've got a military background as well. And one of the things that we kind of talked about, and we've talked about it a few times actually, is you're kind of reminiscing about the past and your past mates and the mates that I had way back then are never as good as the mates that I have today. And yeah. how do you build those bonds within your team that you have now? And for me, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. The way that I've done that since I left the military is the military is not what normal civilians think. You think that you run around with guns, kicking in doors, shooting all day long and doing all that stuff. But, you know, that, yeah, you definitely do that. But the vast majority of time you spend with your mates, you spend sitting around waiting. And there's a lot of waiting around with your mates and there's a lot of just sitting around and waiting for things to happen, especially in the infantry, in the job that I was in. But when you go and do things, you do a lot of things that are really, really hard and you do them together. So because you spend so much time together, like any job really, you spend a bunch of time with the people that you work with. Sometimes you spend more time with the people that you work with and you see your work colleagues more than you see your family. Yep. It's just a, just a byproduct of living in the world as a human being with a job. And we do the same thing in the military, but when we go and do stuff, it's generally a lot harder than what a civilian job is, than a regular civilian job is. And often it's really dangerous as well. And the danger is relative to what it is that you do at the time. You don't think it's dangerous, but when you look back at it, you go, oh my God, that was like pretty stupid risks that yep. we take. And you know, that's why the military is a young man's game because mm -hmm. young men full of testosterone really don't care about the risk because yep. they're invincible and they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And the way that I've built Esprit de Corps in the businesses that I've had over the years is by setting goals and setting collective goals and giving ownership of those goals to the people that are in charge not me standing at the at the at the head of the table telling everybody in the boardroom what needs to be done i give those directives quietly to the to the team leaders and to the managers and i put those tight deadlines on them and i make them work for their money yeah and when they work like that and they and they realize and recognize that they can't move forward until team a has delivered to team b who needs to deliver to team c and they can't work without they can't get the job done without working together under duress they come together as a team mm -hmm. and that builds really good bonding within an organization and it stops rivalry i found it stops rivalry 
And it's a really sensible and fast way to build a little bit more cohesion in a team. It might be different if you're on a work site. That's from an office perspective, I suppose. Maybe you could share about how you do that and do a bit of team building for you, for you guys. Well, it's hard to take rugby league from what, which is my background into work mm. and purely because we're training every day together. Our heart rates are 190 together. We're doing hard each things, other. We're baby. doing the tough things together yeah. every day. We, you know, we're putting ourselves out there for our mates. Whereas in the workplace, you're not doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly no expert in this area, but I know what has worked for us is doing stuff out of work together. Oh yeah, it's social. Uh, just going, even just going for a few beers, you know, once a fortnight, you know, doing a activity once every three or four months, you know, you might yeah. go out for dinner, or you, whatever you might do. Comedy club is a thing we've done before. Um, and having a bit of banter on site. I love banter, I love having a laugh. Mm. Obviously you gotta be careful with making fun of people, but you leave it up to the other guys to sort of do it. And if they sort of run with it, you also run with it. We've got like a WhatsApp page yeah. or a WhatsApp chat where we all sort of get on there. And if someone's got some really good feedback, we'll put it on there and I'll say, thank you, you know, Rob, thank you very much. You've done a really good job. Um, mm. Really much appreciated. Um, something we've done in the past as well is train together. And I think we're going to implement that this year is like once a week when you get together as a group and do like a group training session together. Yeah. Not just us, but as part, a part of a gym, like do a circuit together. Something social. Something social together with a heart rate up. I think the key is heart rate up mm. where you're pushing each other. Because in footy, you know, when you're pushing each other, when your heart rate's up, when you're at work, you're sort of pottering around. So I think the big thing is, you know, training together. The banter, I think banter is massive. Yeah. And um, do stuff away from work. Yeah, you, and, and you want to foster an environment where where people feel comfortable to fool around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what the banter is, right? Yeah. And and I don't mean that in, in a negative way. I mean that in a like a fun, lighthearted, kind yeah. kind way. And, you know, there's, there's ways and means that you can stop people ganging up on each other yeah. and making fun of other people. You know, there's, there's little bits and pieces, you know, if somebody takes something to heart a little bit, it's like, come on, man, remember last time that you said that to me and it was like yeah. this, you know. I, I think one of the things that I learned um, very quickly when I was in the Navy uh, is you're in very close, confined quarters with people and people irritate you all the time human beings irritate each other that's just how life is right yeah. but when you're in a confined space and you irritate somebody what i learned to do was i never thought i was like an irritating person i thought i was like pretty kind of kept to myself and all those sorts of things but turns out everybody has habits that annoy other people especially when you're in close proximity or someone's trying to sleep i learned to apologize quickly yeah i'm i'm oh, geez sorry man i that didn't realize that I was doing that. And I genuinely would apologize. And that would come from a place of, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, excuse me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Please excuse my it behavior. Way, yeah. yeah. And it highlighted to me. And I always found that that was very helpful for the relationships because we had to live together. We had to work together. We had to be together like that. It's a bit different in the army because you kind of got your own space and you're outside and the outdoors all the time. Yep. But in the Navy on a warship, you can't get away from each other. Yep. Yeah. And you know, well, you can, you can huck somebody over the side. And I felt <laughs> like doing that plenty of times, but every now and then you just say sorry to them and they say sorry back. And it's yeah. like, all right, no worries, man. It's, it's not a big deal. And I think that's something that's not done enough in our society. Yeah. Yeah, there's not enough forgiveness mm. in the workplace. There's not enough forgiveness in what it is that we do. Because at the end of the day, when stuff goes wrong at work, it really doesn't matter that much. 
Millie, come on, what are you getting upset about? Well, that's what I say to the boys at work. As long as you come home safe, that's yeah. all I care about. If yeah. there's a mistake made, we can fix it. Yeah. As long as you put your hand up and own it. Yeah, 100%. And like, we've got a few vans, you know, so if someone crashes a van, just put your hand up and go, all I need is sorry. Yeah. That's all I need. Sorry, mate. You yeah. know, that's it. That's all I need. <laughs> but if, if they sort of start going, oh, it's not my fault. It was that old mate over there. You know, that's like, mate, just say sorry and it's all done. Doesn't matter whose fault it was, man. That's what just insurance is for. put your hand up, mate. <laughs> have, have you put your hand up? Oh, mate, 100%. I'll own anything I've done wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, as we close out this show, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit more about some HR stuff. And uh, I, I guess it ties back to leadership a little bit. And it's, it's related to hiring and firing people. Over the years, I've been in a very privileged position to employ a lot of people in a lot of different forms as well. You know, both uh, working in my office, working in, you know, remotely, uh, contractors, people overseas. I've, I've had the full spectrum of things that you could have. And I've been, I think being in business is, is a really cool thing. And one of the best things about being in business is being able to give other people a job and their family relies on you. They're relying on the business to, to provide for them. That level of responsibility, I really like. I like that level of responsibility. That's not for everybody, that's for sure. But for me, I, I really enjoyed that. But it's always been a real bugbear of mine letting people go. And I think because I'm a little bit kind and I want to see people succeed, but I also know that if you're outside the scope of what it is that we need to do and you're pulling us down or dragging us down and it's not working, I've got to let you go. And I always have a, a dedicated process, you know, it's a, a three strikes and you're out type thing and I'm never mean about it. I always make sure I leave proper references and do the right thing and tick all the right boxes, you know, it's karma that you create in the universe. But I've also fired pl plenty of people on the spots. You know, that's, you know, you can't do that. You can't behave like that. You can't say that. You can't do that. Sorry, man, you, you've got to go. Go home. See you later. Don't, don't bother coming back. And I've let people go like that as well. But hiring and firing people is something that... Um, is a tough thing and and i just wanted to to get your perspective on that and, and how that's been for you over the years well we've been pretty lucky at pro Midwest school a lot of the guys that work for us now have been with us for a long time so there hasn't been been a lot of firing although i don't like to call it firing i'd rather call it squeezing out yeah i'd rather if the if the person's got the wrong attitude or they don't fit in with our culture the guys will squeeze them out it's mm. not even up to me Mm. Um, they sort of know when their place is or their time's done and they'll sort of tend to leave. It's probably only happened three times in the nine years that I've uh, had pro image electrical. You're lucky. Um, but we've got really good guys and we've found good guys through referrals. Mm. So someone could present well, really well in an interview, but it's not until three months' time that you really you know. really realise what they're like. And if you can avoid that three-month waste of time yeah. by asking people that know that person what they're like, I think that's the crucial way to do it. And I heard from another electrician, the way he hires the other day, he asked this question, which says a lot about a person, and he says, if you won a million dollars tomorrow, what would you do? Oh, well, I'd quit this job straight away, pal. What, are you, what kind of question is well, that? Well, you're not going to hire that person. <laughs> you definitely if not. the person said, yeah. 
um, you know, I'd pay off my mum's home and I might go on a holiday and then, you know, put some money away for a unit or whatever. That says a lot more than someone that says, I'm going to go buy a Ferrari and go around the world. <laughs> so I think it's a really loaded question that you could ask. Yeah. But yeah, I think the key is hiring the right person to start with and, you know, checking references and checking people that you actually, that uh, you know that know them. Properly checking those as well, yeah. not paying lip service to it and going, oh yeah, that's good, but asking the right yeah. questions like when you do it. Resumes is a load of rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it's what Matt, what they've done previously at the previous job that yeah. really matters the most yeah. immediate one but, as well. But it's attitude as well. Like you can teach anyone to be a good worker mm. uh, if they've got a good attitude. Yeah. So I'll hire on attitude and then teach them how to be a good Sparky, providing they are obviously a licensed Sparky or so. an apprentice, but. Um, if they've got a good attitude, I can do. I can help them with the rest. Yeah, that's that's nice. A nice way of looking at it. You know, they say statistically the wrong hire will cost you about ten thousand uh, dollars. I disagree a little bit. I think it costs you about more. about thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, not to mention like you've built a business through reputation, yeah. and you've got someone out there crueling that every day. Yeah. Um, and you 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 can't man you can't measure that what they've actually done to your business. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could be a lot more. It's good stuff. I, I I deliberately wanted to kind of ask that question because it leads me to the the last part of the podcast here today, which is how do you how do you hire and fire the right clients? Because it's the same. It, it works in the same principle. If you if you drop the ball like I did in the story that I told you before and you make a mistake when you've quoted because you're dealing with the wrong person because they're just trying to squeeze you as hard as they can and get as much out of you as they can because that's how they've got to where they are and you buy into it, that's a mistake. I should never have hired that client. I should have called him out on it. I should have had better processes, better policies, better procedures, better everything. And I'll never make that mistake ever again. You only make that mistake one time, that's for sure. But there also comes time when I have to fire clients and I've, I've had that, I've had that a bit. And, and if I might indulge and share another story, which is a little bit funny where we won this large contract, my brother and I in business together, it was a, it was a rather large contract with a major, major, major brand. And it was a win. And you know what? It was just a random call. Hi, my name's such and such. I'm calling from, I'm not going to say the company and we need a hand with this. Can you help us? I was like, it's really strange that they're calling yeah. little old me. Like, what's the, that's the way you should be thinking. What's the catch? guilty until proven what's innocent? The, <laughs> my my spidey senses were up. Like, what, what's the catch here? Anyway, everything progressed pretty good, and on the front end, they told us what we needed, what they needed rather. We said how we would deliver it and execute on it. That was the first mistake. Yeah, I was solving their problems before I'd been paid. Mm. That was yeah. the first mistake. Yeah. The next mistake I made was engaging with them and not getting in writing exactly what they wanted which is what you talked about this is is surprising that i've lasted as long as i have in business with these mistakes that i make all the time but this wasn't a financial lessons not mistakes yeah i guess yeah no no they were mistakes (laughs) (laughs) because i'd already had the lesson before but i didn't learn the lesson so it's a mistake this time around so uh, i made this i made this mistake again and i didn't make a financial error this time because that wasn't really an issue. That wasn't the problem. The technical side of it, I didn't really have to worry about too much because my brother could handle that. And I know that he's like a dog with a bone. If it's something outside the scope, he, he doesn't know how to do, he'll find a solution. So that wasn't an issue either. The issue was the person we were dealing with. And for lack of a better word, she was, she was like a 
psycho, man. Yeah. She was a psycho. She would get on the phone and ring up and, and shout at the top of her voice. She would shout so loudly, you know, you pick up the phone and put the phone to your ear. Hello, this, hello, this is Rob. And she'd be like, oh my God, what are you people doing? And I would hold the phone at my full arm's length, at, you know, a meter away from my ear and I could hear her, mm. not on the speaker. And she would shout at me and I would, I would say to her, listen, when you calm down and when you're ready to speak to me properly, like a nice person, like a normal person, um, I'll be happy to attend to the issue. And if you don't want to speak to me, you can either send me a text message or just drop me an email and I'll attend to the issue. I understand you're emotional and you're upset. That's fine. And then it happened again and it happened again, happened again, happened again. And I said to my bro, listen, man, I am, I, I'm the guy that used to run around with a machine gun and wanted to shoot people in the face for a living but I am the most passive guy in the world now and I don't like confrontation. Yeah. I don't like getting in arguments and I definitely don't want to fight with clients and I don't want to fight with female clients either because I'll say something and overstep the mark and I'll get myself in trouble and then, oh God, who knows where that's going to go. So yeah. I stopped myself before I get there. I made a good decision and he said, all right, I'll take care of it. And my brother's an expert at arguing because he gets in a lot of fights with his missus <laughs> and this woman just wanted to pick a fight. <laughs> anyway, he'd had enough and he stopped answering the calls. And she called me one day and we're in the office together and he's like, nah, 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 not taking that. And then she called me and I said, oh, I'm going to have to pick it up, man. You rejected a call three times. Come on. Good I picked cop, it. bad cop. Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally, right? I picked it up and she's like, ah, screaming down the phone at me. I said, look, calm down, calm down. I'm not going to just calm down, speak, speak normally, calm down. And she's like, I just, this is what she said to me, word for word. I just need to vent to somebody. <laughs> I'm like, well, why are you calling me to vent? I'm not your husband. I'm not your boyfriend. And, you know, I'm not a work colleague. I'm actually a supplier supplying a service to you. And you're ringing me up to vent about something that's not even related to anything that we're doing. And you're screaming and shouting at me as if it's my problem. What am and you know what? Like I said to my bro, listen, man, I'm blocking her number. I'm not dealing with it. I don't care if they don't pay the invoices. I'm out. Yeah. I, I'm I'm done, and I fired I fired her. I said you're not to call me anymore. Um, I'm not supplying any services to you. I can't help you. If you want something, you have to speak to my brother and only speak to him directly and do that. Then he finished what he was working on, and then he went and he fired her as yeah. well. Um, but a couple of times in my in my digital marketing career, that's happened, uh, and that's because clients have unrealistic expectations of what the deliverables are. I don't think this woman had unrealistic expectations because we delivered exactly what she asked for and, and you know she asked for it in writing and we delivered what she asked for not the extra bits because we never got that and we didn't know what that was but most of what she asked for we gave to her she was just like crazy and dealing with crazy people like that is part of being in business mm. but you got to value yourself enough to realise that, hey man, nobody should be shouting yeah, at you on the phone. Dignity, for sure. Yeah, yeah, shouldn't be dealing with that. What about you? You must have dealt with like hiring and firing clients all the time. <laughs> well, I suppose early on when I first started, I'd work for absolutely anybody. <laughs> um, and I think most people would. Yeah, you know, if you get a phone call, it's a compliment that someone's calling you. Mm. But I suppose as you get further on in your career, you learn those lessons and you, you don't deserve to be spoken to like that. Yep. Um, and often if a builder rings me, I'm complimented that he's found us. But my follow-up question is, why us? Okay, what happened to your old guy? Yeah, what's the catch? And if you ask those questions, they're like, oh, well, there's usually a reason. And the, usually the reason is the spark is no good <laughs> or you don't pay him. 
<laughs> yeah. There's only beca- two reasons. become unreliable. <laughs> yeah. So I usually ask those questions um, and usually either they'll answer with honesty or mm-hmm. they won't call me back. Yeah. Um, and it's, a, it's quite a con- confronting question because usually when a builder rings you, you should be like you know, jumping for joy that someone's called you. But if you ask those questions, you want to get to the bottom of it and you don't want to waste any time. Yeah. It could be a potential bad payer. Um, and do your research as well. Um, do your research on your client. There's, there's lots of Mr. and Mrs. Smith clients that we work for. And sometimes they're difficult, but if it's a one day job, you can be in and out and you can manage it. Whereas if it's a builder and it's ongoing yeah. and they're owing you lots of money, I think you really got to do your research even ask who you, their previous Sparky was, and if they if if they didn't leave on a bad note, you know they'll tell you the the Sparky. Yeah, but if and they you can ring him, yeah, and give just him a call. say, mate, how, yeah. what, what sort of builder is he? A good bloke, you know, is he a good payer? Yeah, is he good to work for? All those ask all those questions. So, um, yeah, do your research. How how have you handled in the past, Jamie, when people are not paying you on time? Um, we've been pretty lucky. We've ha- we've. I think the fact that we, whatever we, we invoice, we've done. Yeah. I think that's crucial. Um, we're not, we don't try and lie on invoices or anything like that. Occasionally we have, you know, a lady or a man that we've worked for, like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith type scenario, and they won't pay. I usually follow up an invoice reminder with a, hey, hey, Rob, you know, just checking. I can't see that money going into our account. Can you just double check that it's been paid? Mm. And usually they feel silly and they'll pay it. Small little bump, but just a little nudge is enough. The thing is, is, the thing is, is well, instead of assuming they just haven't paid you, um, ask maybe why, because they may have sent it to their partner to pay or they may have gone into their junk mail. So rather than assuming the worst, assume mm. the best. Yeah. And just, uh, just touch base and just see... Hey, you know, hey Rob, how's everything going? Just touching base to sort of see how that invoice is going, and they might say, "I, I never got it." Mm. Um, and if you do that, rather than sending an abusive, or not abusive, but a rude email or a, a aggressive phone call, I yeah. think you can really avoid that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but in terms of builders, I'll learn pretty early if they're good payers, and if you do your research, you can hopefully weed those guys out before you actually start working for them. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. One of the one of the lessons that I took away from the military that I apply in my business, and I apply it often, is a thing called warnings. Um, in the Navy, um, on a on a warship, on an Australian warship at least, and American allied NATO type navies, um, we use these things called warnings, and it's when aircraft are coming towards you that are not identified. Um, so there's different ways to look at a radar screen and identify an aircraft, and it, it comes as a uh, as a measure of distance. So if an aircraft's 100 miles away from you and you can't see its transponder code, it's not in an airline, it looks like it's coming straight at you, you get on the guard frequency, 121.5 or 243 at the same time, and you call them up and you give them a warning. Aircraft in position, whatever their position is, tracking on a heading of this way, you're coming, you're closing my position on a speed of, this is your first warning. And we have seven levels of warning, and you know by the time they're within 40 miles of us, we're saying, listen, turn away now or I'm about to fire. Yeah. And warnings and levels of warnings are... Uh, a real it's when you do it for real it's scary as hell yeah because i don't know they're gonna fire a missile at us or they're gonna come at us what, yeah. what are they gonna, scary stuff right yeah. and in business i i took the same concept in and around invoices first one is hey what's going on man mm. you know and and i'm always like oi come on 
And I also learned in in my game in digital is we take 75% of the money up front. Yeah. Yeah. But when I first started out, like you, I took jobs from anybody and did what I needed to do to get by and to make that work. And the vast majority of work was done first and then you've got to chase the invoices. And that that always escalated. It, It went to warning one, one time where, listen, man, if you don't do that, I'm going to get you onto a uh, collections agency and and make that happen. Um, And that's a really unpleasant thing to do to a client. After you've done the work, you've had the relationship, you've done all of those things, and they just don't pay you. And I end up going through the whole entire process, the warning process that I call it, and they don't pay, and then I've got to go and get a collections agency. What the hell? Have you, ever, have you ever reached that point where you've had to put a debt collector on someone? No, no we haven't. Um, we've been pretty lucky in that regard. And just touching on that point as well, rather than me chasing up the invoice, it looks so much better if a lady or a man in the office does oh, it. I guess someone else will do it. It just yeah, softens for sure. it. You yeah. don't want to be the bad guy. I'm, I'm, and, I'm in there at about warning number three. <laughs> and, if, <laughs> and if they don't like what the office lady said, at yeah. least it doesn't come back on you. Yeah, that's and true. And you can apologise on their behalf. Um and I think another thing, when you're dealing with a potential new client, you really need to listen to your gut. And oh often, my God, yes. So I've got to listen to my intuition. <laughs> usually when you have a difficult client or you do work for a builder that, and there's something not quite right, I always ask my mates that have been in these sort of situations, did it feel right in the beginning? And they'll usually say, you know what, it just didn't feel right to start with. I'm like, you've got to listen to your gut. Yeah, it's, it's all right for you, man, in right. hindsight. And your invoices have been paid. I'm stuck here. <laughs> I'm listening to my damn guy. Good advice. Good advice. All right, Jamie, as we uh, close out the podcast today, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any final thoughts, anything that we missed that you wanted to cover, that you wanted to share about, you know, what is it that makes a small business tick? We talked about leadership. We talked about hiring and firing clients and staff. There's a lot of stuff that we covered there. I think there's plenty of value for the listener to get out of today's episode. I think when you're making decisions, you really got to think about the repercussions. And we touched on that before with, um, you know, contacting a client maybe a little early mm. to, to put your foot down on a payment. Yeah. You know, really consider the repercussions of the phone call or the decision you're making in your business before you make them. Don't make rash decisions and get on the phone, call your wife, call your business partner, call a colleague at work before you make any rash decisions because sometimes if you make a decision in the heat of things, it's usually the wrong one. Yeah, And that's, once that's again, true. listen to your gut. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you'll look back and if you don't, you'll be like, ah, oh, I should have listened. Have you ever written an angry email and then saved it in your drafts? You know what? In that, your Gmail? No, I usually send them. And <laughs> if if I've got something on my mind late at night, I usually fire off an email because it's an email is like a text message these days. Yeah. I'm learning not to do that. Yeah. I'm learning to put it in my draft emails and send it, <laughs> mate, or sorry, rethink sending it in the morning. But yeah, it's not, usually not to clients. Usually, to, you know, one of the boys or a supplier because yeah. I get pretty... Um, uh, upset by suppliers. Passionate. <laughs> yeah, mate, very passionate guy. Passionate about suppliers. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, Jamie, it's been a hell of a lot of fun doing this podcast with you here today, mate. I'm looking forward to riffing on these important topics and adding value back to our audience over the next couple of weeks. And as we, uh, as we build our body of work here at the Electricians Co-op, it's really good stuff. Mate, if people want to connect with you directly, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Instagram at Pro Image Electrical. I'm very responsible on there. Any questions, any feedback or anything like that, please send away. 
Yeah, we'd love to hear that. Likewise, if you've got any questions for me, you want to connect directly, my preferred social media is LinkedIn. Just look me up there. That was a hell of a lot of fun, mate. There's a fist bump to finish it off. Beautiful, good stuff, mate. Let's get out of here, eh? Yeah, good night, mate. See you, mate. <laughs> See ya. Just a game